0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Things First. Jenna Wolf, Nick Wright, Kevin Wilds, Chris Broussard. I already feel a little playful tension in the air. We will get to that in a little bit between those two. Wilds were bookended by uh, two guys who are going to go at it momentarily. Uh, Coming up on a Thursday morning, great show, a lot of action last night. Uh, Are the Sixers done after what we saw out of Jason Tatum? Lakers back at it this evening. Is it a must-win now for LeBron James and company? And what is the deal with the, what are they calling it, the quarterback-platoon approach in New England? Bill Belichick will weigh in on that, but we got to start with the late-game action last night. Mavs and Clippers. Dallas looking to tie up this series at a game apiece. Luka Doncic did his part while he was on the court at least. Team high 28 points in 28 minutes. Luka actually ended up sitting out most of the second half. He was in a lot of foul trouble. Kristaps managed to stay in this game. He had 23 points and while Kawhi was good. 35 point double double for Kawhi Leonard. He wasn't good enough. The Dallas Mavericks get the win. And this series, guys, is suddenly tied up at a game apiece. All right, Nick, we're going to dive in. What went so wrong for the Clippers in this game last night?
1: Oh, they can't guard the Mavericks. They just can't guard them at all, Jenna. And by the way, for our loyal audience that's here right at the beginning of the show, I just want to tell you, and this is no sarcasm, I'm actually serious here, 9 o'clock today. We have a very, 9 o'clock Eastern, a very major uh, announcement for the show. It is not Kevin Wilde's Blazers-Lakers no, pick. The, it is
2: something else, but that's coming up at 9 The last time you did o'clock. this, you announced you got a haircut. That's why that doesn't I, work. I, I know. last know, time you did That's, that,
1: that's why I'm for telling the time. audience that this is, I, I understand I was the boy who cried wolf on this once, but this time it's serious 9 o'clock Eastern. <laughs> but let's get to the main event here. Which is going to wipe that smile right off Chris Broussard's face. Why did the Clippers (laughs) lose? Because they can't guard these guys. They've played eight quarters of basketball. If you remove the one where Kane Fitzgerald inserted himself and kicked out Chris Stapps, the Mavericks are averaging 32 points per quarter. What, What would that be over the course of a full game? Jenna can do that math, 32 plus 32 is 64. Oh, 128 points per game, and which is almost exactly insulting. what they scored yesterday. This is, no, I was it was a compliment. You could do the math. The, <laughs> listen, so it's backhanded. a big problem. So I got a quick question for you, Chris Broussard. Yes or no, if you would. Can, does Kawhi Leonard have the ability? Can he guard Luka Doncic? Yes. yes. Then he should. That's the adjustment, Kawhi, go guard Luka, because if you can, if you can, then he should, then he should, because whatever the Clippers are trying to do right now ain't working defensively, and so we can get into all the different issues that we saw yesterday, but the fact of the matter is, in this series, Broussard, the Clippers jumped out 18 to two. The Mavs then went on a 69 to 48 tear until Kristaps got kicked out, and then yesterday when they had their full complement, they led your beloved Clippers, your juggernaut, wire to wire. That's what I saw, but maybe you, Chris, were watching a different game last night. I don't know. I'm excited to hear what you got to say. I'm gonna sit back and listen.
3: First of all, I'm so happy for Nick that this happened because yesterday was just sad when he had to defend the Lakers. So this is good. This is appropriate. He gets to stick out his chest and talk Mm -hmm. about the other L.A. team. So I'm good with that. Mm -hmm. Now, that said, I picked the Clippers to win this series in five. That means that the Mavericks were going to win a game. Last night was that game. I stand firmly by my pick that the Clippers will win this series in five games, all right? I'm telling you that right now. So mark it down, yes. save this segment, so you yes. can look at it when save I'm done. It. But look, I could I could talk about no Patrick Beverly. The Clippers are just 11-11 and 11 this season, including last night, without Patrick Beverly. Obviously, it hurts their defense. I could talk about Paul George not being able to put a ball in the ocean. Four for 17, no points in the first half 14 overall. I could talk mm. about uh, the Clippers overall not being able to shoot the three. They were horrible from three, what, 29%? I-, I could talk about all that. But here's the main thing the Clippers' lackadaisical, nonchalant attitude this whole season caught up with. Thank you. I-, I, th- I think Thank they've been you. listening to the pundits, like myself, who are the Listen best team in the NBA. I think, as we would say in the old days, they've been reading their press clippings. Reading their press clippings, That they can just show up, right? That they can just show up and put anybody on the floor. If Kawhi's there or not, we'll still win. If Paul George is there or not, we'll still win. That's been their attitude. And they did it again last night. And they've gotten away with it most of the season. But last night, it finally caught up with them. The only time they came out, with real intensity, was at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And you could see a marked difference in the way they were trying to play defense. So this is good for them. This was a wake-up call that, look, you're not about to win an NBA championship. Oh, you're not about to win the West. You're not going good to win a series if you don't bring it. your, bring your yeah. A game intensity-wise every night. So this is good for them. If this was good for them, if this was good for them,
1: then tomorrow night should be great for them when they lose again. Like, that'll be the best thing possible. On a, on they they might just go, faux faux faux. Hold on, we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that in a second. But there's a lot I got to unpack from what you just said. You know, One was America, have- America, <laughs> America, yesterday, Chris Broussard tried to big brother put me in a headlock, noogie me, and say, oh, adorable Nick Wright, Picks with his heart, not his head. Me, New York Times writer, official NBA voter, television veteran. I've learned to pick with my head, not my heart. And then he came out this morning and was like, said the exact thing I said yesterday. If I picked him in five, they got to lose one. That was the one. The problem is this whole series has looked like, oh, they can't guard these guys. And P- Patrick Beverly, I've heard all year how deep the Clippers are. If you are a 500 team when your fifth or sixth best player isn't there, then you've got problems. You've got even more problems if in a shortened season that we haven't even had 80 games of. You said 11 and 11? That's more math we all can do. 11 plus 11, you don't have to carry. Oh, that's 22. So he's missed over a quarter of the season. So it looks like he might miss some more. But the last thing you mentioned is, well, Paul George, Paul George had a bad game, and if he plays like that, they could be in trouble. Well, then sound the alarms, because I think that might have been playoff peas music. Show the graphic. How's Paul George's postseason's been ending the last few years with games that look a hell of a lot like yesterday? You, in 2017, what happened at the end of his season? Oh, he ran up against LeBron. He goes 5 of 21, go home. 2018, you're an OKC. Game 2, you're terrible. The final game of your season that year, you're 2 of 16. Last year against Portland, you threw up a 3 of 16. So it's not like Broussard, Paul George, throwing up uh, air balls. <laughs> It, which he literally did last night. We saw him literally do to win a playoff game a couple years ago. Ah. Uh, aside from in the Gatorade commercial, playoff P, I'm not sure that's a positive thing. And so these are all concerns. Now they can all be stymied if your guy Kawhi Leonard will take on the challenge and guard Luka for four oh, quarters. Because you know what Kawhi He's is reminding up. me of? I, I want to give, uh, just quickly, I want to give Kawhi a compliment, because he was outstanding offensively last night. And this might be the nice thing I ever said about Kawhi. He's reminding me a lot about LeBron, of LeBron James, his final regular season in Cleveland. Outstanding offensively, teammates let him down, and doesn't give a rip on the defensive end. The thing is, Broussard, I was told that's not Kawhi Leonard. So maybe he should guard the 21-year-old Slovenian superstar, and maybe the series will turn the other way.
3: Can I go or is Wilde stepping in? Please. I, I, I no, know go, no, going, go. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. rooting for go you, ahead, Brissard. This is Brissard. like a knockout. I'm going to throw in the towel pretty soon. Look, it's too much. First of, first of all, Kawhi did guard Luka at times yesterday. Secondly, Luka <laughs> was not the problem, as great as he is. Luka was good yesterday, but they were killing the Clippers without Luka. Luka only played, what, nine minutes, I think, in the second half? So Luka was not the problem. You are right. They have not been able to stay in front of the Mavericks. Trey Burke, Seth Curry. And when you look at their small guards outside of Patrick Beverly, they aren't great defenders. Landry Shaman, Lou Williams, they aren't great defenders. Their perimeter defense mm. is based around two small forwards in George and Kawhi being defenders. They're not going to stay in front of small guards the whole time. So, I think you will see Kawhi more on Luka. Doc Rivers is definitely going to make some adjustments. Trust me, Doc Rivers is going to be able to use this. Because as I said, they have not showed up. They have been outplayed for the most part by the Mavericks. And this is just what the doctor ordered. On defense, their rotations have been sloppy. They're missing assignments. They don't know when to help, when not to help. Uh, Offensively, they're playing too much iso ball. They had 16 assists last night after having 18 in game one. That's 17 a game. That's your math to an average. Put that in perspective. (laughs) Portland was worse. Portland was worse than the league in the regular season in assists with 21 a game. So the Clippers are playing far too much isolation basketball. The, the talent's there. The bodies are there. Even without Patrick Beverly, they just have to get their head right. And this type of loss will do that. Wilds, okay. jump in here.
2: This is a this is scene in every boxing movie you've ever seen in your life where the guy wants to come out for the next round. And I just got to look at him and be like, I can't let you out there. I can't let you out there, Broussard. I, I think during the break we oh, float nah. the rest of these these clippers. It's not good. You're like, no, Wild, but Paul George was terrible, and Patrick Beverly's not there, and they were lackadaisical. I can get out there and win three in a row. They're going to win in five. I'm like, I'm not going to let you out there, buddy. I <laughs> up, the Nick, Nick picked him in, Nick picked five. the Lakers yeah. in five.
0: Yeah. Broussard picked him in five, also. Exactly. He put, he well, listen. We we'll going throw it in, there like Fifty? It, how many dozens of again, It has now right, been we'll a wake-up right, hey, call for the Lakers, the Bucks, yeah. and the Clippers. Hey, elsewhere last night, Jason Tatum made another case to move up a tier in Knicks rankings. Celtics, Sixers, next. First things first.
2: Sorry, Broussard.
0: The stress of daily life weighs on all of us, whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day. Muscle pain and muscle tension, that's a real thing. That's why I use Theragon, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, you'll wonder if it's on. While you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power that you need. STARTING AT ONLY $199, GO TO THERAGUN.COM SLASH FTF RIGHT NOW AND GET YOUR GEN 4 THERAGUN TODAY. THAT'S THERAGUN.COM SLASH FTF, THERAGUN.COM SLASH FTF. TONIGHT ON FS1, WE GOT SOME BASEBALL ACTION COMING YOUR WAY. CHRISTIAN YELICH LEADING THE BREWERS AGAINST NELSON CRUZ AND THE TWINS, 6.30 EASTERN ON FS1. And the Fox Sports app back here on First Things First. Let's talk some Sixers Celtics game two from last night in another career playoff high for Jason Tatum. 33 points to go along with five boards, five assists. For the Sixers, disappointing effort. Joel Embiid said before the game he needed to step it up. He did, 34 and 10, but he was basically the only one. Celtics get the easy win, 128 to 101. Boston now takes a 2-0 series lead. Nick, Tatum had 32 on Monday. He had 33 last night, clearly emerging as a superstar in these playoffs. Have the last two games proven he's at least reached star status in your eyes? Listen, this this is is
2: how you become
1: a star in this league. Not a hot streak in February which is what Celtic fans wanted me to anoint him because of. But in back-to-back playoff games to start the season, to start the postseason, you have your back-to-back best career playoff games, your back-to-back playoff career highs. You're the best player on your team and arguably the best player on the court in both games. That's how you become a star in this league. So Jason Tatum is absolutely on his way. Every, everyone's mad at me for this oh. initial... Tears, Wilds, my initial star tears, because evidently I don't give yep. out, a, you know, star and superstar status the way other people do. And people, you keep asking me, will you update it? Will you update it? I will update it after the playoffs. But if we were, if the playoffs ended the playoffs? today, yeah, once the playoffs are <laughs> over, it will officially be updated. Oh but God. if it's the playoffs totally were, at, were in... Yes, but if the playoffs were over today, here's what it would look like. Show it. So what you would have, and I think you see the reason you don't want to update it too quickly. Anthony Davis, he drops down. Dame and Luca, they're both on the superstar line. But then you also look at, it's not just Jason Tatum that jumps up. Chris Paul probably should have been there already. was probably an oversight by me. Donovan Mitchell has to move up. If T- Tatum dropped 57 the way Mitchell did, Celtic fans would already be building him a statue and Tatum would move up. Zion would unfortunately have to move down. So it, to me, Broussard, if we were doing it right now, that's what I would do it. I know you like for you and I'm. this isn't a shot. If you make an all-star game, it's fair to call you a star. I don't I am not comfortable with us having twenty-five to thirty stars in the NBA. But I think like if you if you look at that pyramid, that <laughs> hierarchy, Tatum is certainly
3: ascending, and you give him immense credit. He's been great these two games. First of all, Nick, I don't name the game. It's not the all very good player game. It's the <laughs> all-star game. game. I, Chris Broussard didn't name it. I'm just going by what they call it. All right. Secondly, why is okay. Zion on your second? Zion's on your second time. Like, 21 games. I dropped it. I mean, come on. I, I know. You got mad at me about that the first time. And I like the kid, but okay. come on. Let's let's maybe it was maybe I was, maybe I fast. was maybe
1: I was a little over eager. Maybe I was a little over eager on Zion. I can own that.
3: All right, look, to answer Jenna's question, though, no, these last two games do not prove that Jason Tatum is a star. Because the entire regular season, not just February prove oh. that he's a star answer me this what 6 8 small forward averages 23 points a game a team high seven rebounds a game shoots 40 percent from three plays solid defense and is the best player on his team which the team is a conference titleist contender is not a star who fits that description and is not a star I don't know if Nick has a problem with Duke which is where Jason Tatum went, or if no. he's from St. Louis, so there's this intrastate rivalry. I no, don't know. I know like St. Louis. That part, St. Louis is, you know, oh, there's a little see, something Here there. we go.
1: That's true. Saint
3: I just threw Lewis. that out the there. The St. Louis part is a little, the bit, of the little bit. Great Jason find. Tatum yeah. is a star. Jason Tatum, and the way, Nick, you got to admit this, the way he's doing it, I mean, crossing dribbles, between the back dribbles. Three pointers, mid-range game, going to the hole, good defense. Like he has been phenomenal. He's been great. This, I get it if you want to. I would get it if you said he's young, but then you put Zion ahead of him. So I, I can't even go there. Jason Taser was a star. Just admit it right now. He's a star. No, no, he's on his way. He's on his way. Wild. Oh my here's God. here's my only pushback.
1: He Here, here's oh. my because it, the, the, this is where there is some media market bias. Because where is this put Donovan Mitchell, where is this propaganda, not propaganda, but where's this campaign for him? Where are the folks mad that Donovan Mitchell isn't getting his respect? Same draft class, same experience, has already been awesome in the playoffs his rookie season, dropped 38 in a closeout game over Russ and Playoff P a couple years ago, was the best player on a playoff team again last year, and people aren't clamoring to call Donovan Mitchell a superstar. So like, to me, Tatum and Donovan Mitchell, they are emerging next to each other. Up to this point in their career, Mitchell, by I think any fair metric, has been the more accomplished, impressive player, but Tatum, these two games, has has been the best player on his team, and they're 2-0 in the playoffs. Wilds, that's how you become a star. Not regular season okay. stuff. So to, to me, I, I'm being totally consistent star. and fair but here. But
3: Zion's a star. But Zion's okay, a star. OK, the exactly. Zion thing you, you maybe not, I was wrong about. You
1: know, I can
3: who, admit who, the Zion you know, thing maybe I was wrong
2: Attracting the Zion star. Uh, I have a few things, Nick. One, I just want to change on the bar. Jason Tatum officially a star. That's just, Nick's, that's just Nick's idea, and we're making it like a real thing. It's your tears, and you've already infected the brain of the producer. Like, is he officially a star? <laughs> it's like, is officially a star in Nick's mind? But the other one is more uh, the way the Celtics play. There's one team in the NBA that has three guys averaging 20 points, and it's the Celtics, and they did it again yesterday. Do you think the fact that they move the ball so well and Kemba's playing great, and Jalen's playing great. That Tatum doesn't need to score uh, 30 points. 30. He doesn't need to have these like massive games. That they're all kind of like sharing the wealth, and it's a more democratic system. No. That that's hurting his superstar status in your mind. No. Well,
3: if he no, wins, no.
1: Versa- go ahead. Nick. Go Broussard. Go, go, go.
3: I'm, I'm just saying, if he wins and he's the leading scorer, he's going to get that star status. And, and, Nick, to go back to Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell is a star. Nobody's saying he's not a star. So, I, I, I obviously, yeah. Boston gets a lot more love than Utah as far as the media market. But no one's saying Donovan Mitchell's not a star. And we're just saying Jason Tatum is a star. You say on his way. A guy that's on his way is Ja Morant. That's on your way. Jason Tatum is there. Not a superstar yet, but a star.
1: And, and, okay, that, uh, so I guess my only issue would be. So then, uh, the, the the belief is we can, we live in a world where you've got 25 to 30 stars at any given time in the NBA. I disagree with that. Yeah. I, I want to be. Uh, you know what, what? Broussard? I'm going to sound like the old man here for a moment. This sounds a little bit too much like everyone gets a trophy. Like, oh, you oh get my- a trophy. You get like no. Let's let's be judicious. With our nomenclature. Stars here, let's in have the it world. actually mean Are something.
3: You? Let's have it actually. You only got 30 teams. So everybody <laughs> gets a trophy. Jason everybody gets a star. A, you get a star. Is only one huh? of the 30 what? best players in the league? 30? Like I can't put him I'm in the saying top 20? I'm, I, I, I
1: well, there were si- 15 God. guys ahead of him. I think he I think he went into the postseason somewhere from 16 to 23, and he's moving himself up. And
3: that's awesome. Okay, we Good can't for, have star. stars. I, I uh, like well, to cap it at 15. Way, that's way way how many people topic, are on the team. Which
0: was that the Celtics won last <laughs> night. We'll get to the Sixers <laughs> angle coming up. I got some trivia for you. What does Tom Brady hate more than anything else? We'll let you know next. First things first. Tomatoes. For a lot of us, our home is now more than just our home. It's also a gym, a bakery, and a barber shop. And if you're a business owner or a people manager home might also be where you do your hiring that's where zip recruiter comes in zip recruiter makes hiring faster and easier because you can do it all from one convenient place ziprecruiter.com slash approach no matter where you're hiring from zip recruiter does the work for you how well zip recruiters matching technology scans thousands of resumes and profiles to identify the most qualified people for your job. If you're really interested in a candidate, you can even invite them to apply for your job. With one click, ZipRecruiter sends them an email from you and you stand out from the competition. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, first things first listeners can go to ziprecruiter.com ziprecruiter.com/approach, approach. That's ziprecruiter.com approach, A-P-P-R-O-A-C-H. ZipRecruiter.com slash approach. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, guys, let's play some (laughs) drawing a blank. So Joe Judge's first season as the Giants head coach has generated some attention lately, not because he's a Bill Belichick disciple, but because of his very, 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 very interesting coaching style. Take a listen.
1: We coach hard. We're very demanding. This is a tough job, okay? We're in New York City. It's a tough place to play and coach. We have to have guys who have thick skin and understand we have to operate in high-pressure situations. So we can't go out there on the practice field and just sing Kumbaya together and think we're going to advance.
0: So you're actually just outside of New York City, Coach Judge, but it's neither here nor there. Nick, Joe Judge's coaching style is blank.
1: Listen, it's cartoonish. It's what someone... Who was didn't watch football, but was cast in a role to play a head coach of a hard-nosed 1960s football team would be saying, or and and they, every time he, he gets asked about one of these silly things like why don't you have names on the jerseys, he gives an even sillier explanation. He's like, well, I want I don't want the quarterback to be able to read the name. I want him to be able to tell if it's the linebacker by the by his gait. And it's like, well, the names are on the back of the jerseys anyway. And this one where he's like, well, we play in New York City. I wish the follow up was so, coach, to be clear, your former colleague, Brian Flores, he coaches in Miami Dolphins. If you were the coach of the Dolphins, it'd be totally different. It's like, that's a soft city. There's a beach. <laughs> people are nice. They're chilling. And so they're drinking cafecitos. So if you were coaching there, you'd be. No, of course not. It's all nonsense. It's all this Bill Belichick cosplaying that guys think is going to help them turn into the next
4: Belichick. It's foolishness, Brian. Uh- I love it. Nick, Joe Judge is trying to set the tone for his football team. Now, uh, the jerseys and the name on the jerseys and numbers, that's a little bit much. But as a a rookie head coach, you have to go in and set the culture and character and the tone for your football team. And this is the thing. If you come in as a soft coach, you can't turn into this hard-nosed football coach because the players don't believe it, just like in parenting. I know that better than anyone because I'm a soft parent and I try to be hard and discipline my kids and they just laugh at me. You have to come in as a tone setter, a physical physical guy, and if you go hard to soft, now you can lay off your players a little bit and the players appreciate it. That's what Joe Judge is trying to do. Okay.
2: Brian, before I give my answer, just be honest. If you were on the Giants and you made a mistake and Joe Judge was like, Westbrook, lap it up. Lap it up, Westbrook. Oh, bro, lap it up. Get, get moving. I'm Joe
4: Judge. Yeah. And you're like, what would you do, honestly? I would do the same thing I'm doing now. I would laugh and be looking around like, is this guy serious? Now, That's what I'm listen, saying. But listen, this team has not been very good for a long time. They're trying to find a way to be a better football team. And hopefully this can help them just a little bit.
2: All right, I'll give him, I'll give him half credit. Not you, Brian, Joe Judge. I, I said Rex Ryan. When Rex came into the league and he got off to a hot start, people were like, this works. You got to be relaxed. Let the players do their thing. That's what this works. And then he starts losing games like, this doesn't work. You got to be tough. <laughs> so, like, the narrative is going to be whatever the Giants' record is. If they win, it's going to be like, yeah, he did it. It was the laps. And if they lose, like, he's too hard. So it's very Rex ryan narrative-wise, Jenna.
0: All right, let's move on to the thought-to-be-forgotten Dez Bryant, who's still in search of NFL employment, apparently. The Baltimore Ravens are reportedly going to work out the free agent today, which has Lamar Jackson excited. The Ravens quarterback saying Dez is, quote, looking pretty good on social media. I mean, so do I, if I'm being honest. but (laughs) Nick, Dez on the Ravens would be blank.
1: It would be pointless. And Jenna you and des yeah. have another thing in common you have the same number of thousand yard receiving seasons in the last five years this is crazy des was last an excellent player in 2014 in 2015 he was hurt in 2016 and 17 he had 800 yards and 800 yards and in 2018 he tried to come back and play popped his achilles was out of football of 2019 now we're in 2020 The idea that there's a... I'm sorry, Dez. I didn't think it was over for you when it was over for you. But it's now over for you. And if listen, if the Ravens want to take a chance on a wide receiver, Antonio Brown makes exponentially more sense than Dez Bryant, who's been out of football for three years and hasn't been really good in six, Bryant.
4: Well, you know what? I I think... I feel totally different than you. I think it would be good on paper. And here's why. The Ravens run the ball more than any team in the league. And Des Bryant can be that physical force inside and outside if you need a receiver to go in there and block. And he also can work the middle of the field. And that's what those intermediate throws that uh, Lamar Jackson does so well. So that you need a physical receiver that has the ability to do that. But it's good on paper only because, just like you're mentioning, Nick, we haven't seen Des Bryant since uh, 2017. We're not quite sure what he is and how healthy he is and how, how much he can contribute to an offense. And so that's why it's only good on paper at this point. But if he comes out and can run and can do it consistently, he may be able to help this offense just a little bit.
2: Yeah, I, I went with Instagram filter because everything looks good on social media. I, I'm happy he's got the tryout because I can't discern what works and what doesn't. Because if oh. it was up to me, boom, this high school kid who torched Tyreek Hill <laughs> would be would be right there on the Patriots. Would sign him straight out of high school. It's another excuse to show a, the, the only uh, negative Chiefs highlight the last two years. So I'm happy to run it. Instagram filter, my answer.
0: 9 Gemma. 964 days since we last saw Dez on a football field. On to the Chiefs now. Their new rookie running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, has more than just an awesome name to pronounce. He's got the attention of everyone in camp, with the team reportedly believing he is, quote, unbelievable. So Nick, Clyde Edwards-Alaire's ceiling this season is blank.
1: C-E-H's ceiling is O-R-O-Y, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Damian Williams opted out. So he's gonna end up being the feature back. There is we Saquon won offensive rookie of the year. Todd Gurley won offensive rookie of the year. Alvin Kamara won it. Zeke could have won it, but his teammate Dak won it. Running backs so of recent history win this award last year, notwithstanding. So I listen, I think his ceiling is off ceiling for this year's offensive rookie of the year, and obviously his long-term ceiling, Brian, is to be a
4: rich man's Brian Westbrook, as Andy Reid told us immediately. <laughs> Reid really loves Brian Westbrook. Apparently, he's replaced him already in his mind and in his heart. But I think his ceiling is is Miles Sanders because Miles Sanders had a really good rookie year, 800 yards rushing in and in about 50 receptions and here's the thing he had 14 to 15 touches per game and i think that's exactly what Andy Reed is going to get uh Clyde edwards hilaire 14 to 15 touches a game make sure that he's involved in the run game as well as the pass game remember this is Patrick Mahomes football team Patrick Mahomes is going to be throwing the ball 30 to 35 times a game
2: Hey, quick fantasy tip from your friend Kevin Wilds. I had sixth overall, which is what he's placed in a lot of PPR leagues. He's going to have a big year, and I know that Andy Reid compared him to Brian Westbrook, and as long as he doesn't make boneheaded plays like this, that oh. will cost fantasy owners that we finally got an apology for. Sorry. Many years later, a, Brian I finally say apologize to fantasy owners. Brian, I appreciate that. I would have uh, I would have liked if you, could, you know told me to my face, but on behalf of everyone, who you were the anchor of our team and you and you and you, you killed us here. Right, we, I accept sorry. your apology.
4: You are for I'm sorry. Uh,
0: ending with Tampa Tom here the new Bucks quarterback apparently doesn't like his center to get any sweat whatsoever on the football during the game head coach Bruce Arians saying quote Tom's got a very unique way with the towels and the talcum powder so Nick Brady requesting his center not sweat on the football is blank.
1: This is so bougie. Stop it, Tom. I understand you're a Hollywood Tom now. I know you're calling yourself Tampa Tompa Tom or whatever, but you're a Hollywood Tom. You've been Hollywood Tom for quite some time now. You, don't, you expect to you Listen, he, Tom Brady has a very specific way he likes his footballs. Totally dry, and he illegally deflated. So, center, Ooh. get it together. <laughs> and so, like, uh, this is, I mean, this to me is, guess what? You went from New England to, to hot Florida. He's going to sweat.
4: And the sweat's going to get on the football. Or you're getting the shotgun if you don't want to deal with it. This is so bougie, Brian. I think this is laughable. Listen, I put my hands underneath the center to try to do a snap a couple times while I was in Philly. And, And I'll tell you, Nick, Jenna, and Kevin, that's not a place where you want your hands on a repeated basis. This is not a good place for Tom Brady if he wants to have dry footballs.
2: The talcum, you know powder. What? talcum powder, I, I wrote, I, yeah, I wrote four ants. Like look, Tom Brady has mentioned a few tiny things that are popping up. It's like the four ants that are in my kitchen. It's like right now it's not a problem, but it, it, if there's gonna be a few more, like, uh-oh, I've got a real problem. So right now we're at four problems with Tom Brady's. I like, got oh, the terminology, it's hot, I'm meeting my guys, we haven't huddled, the ball needs to be in He's dryer. Tom Brady. Four ants, but a few more ants. Disaster. Well, I know he's not Brady has he's earned he's an, an anthill. Hill.
0: Come on. He can have as many ants as he wants. Uh, let's get back to the bubble. Talk some basketball where LeBron and the Lakers will try to even the series tonight against Dame and the Blazers. Wilds, what time is it?
2: Delta, it's prediction time and dame time. Big prediction coming dame up time. after the break. time, you
0: oh, that, do That fist. Out. You're supposed that to out say so dame well.
1: time. First you thing you know what it was to on to <laughs> <A>
0: Terrible, <laughs> Wilds. We got to work on that. No, it's a curve Time now off. for stories to start your morning. Sponsored by Ram Trucks, built to serve. Mavs, even enough the series. Dallas taking down the Clippers last night. That series is now a game apiece. Luka was impressive, finishing with 28-8-7. and seven. In just 28 minutes of play, Kawhi put up a 35-point double-double in the loss. All right, Nick, what is the key to this series now moving forward?
1: Oh, the question, Broussard, to misquote Marshall Mathers is, will the real Los Angeles Clippers please stand up? Or have they actually been standing up all season and and folks such as yourself been like, no, no, no. It's, it's the people. They're behind them. No, it's not. No, they're going to. We'll see them. Don't worry. Once the playoffs? Well, what's, what's game three of the playoffs? The second round if they get there. So, listen, I, I'm ex- maybe you'll be right. Maybe they'll come out the rest of the series and be like, we've just been coasting for the entire year. Or maybe they have real issues, Bruce
3: Hart. Another thing about young analysts like Nick uh, is that they we oh whichever back. team wants so last sad. Playoff game no. is going to win the no. series. Oh now it's the Mavs. No. The Mavs are the best team in the NBA. Hey no. now, they're I have
1: to respond to this. I have to respond to this. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. The it, it, go ahead. Bizarre. My prediction before the series was Mavs was Clippers in six, and that in game six, the Mavericks would have a fourth quarter lead and fall apart. I have not changed my prediction. I have not said this morning the Mavericks are going to win the series. You said it was going to be a gentleman sweep. They're going to have no issues. Mike, the the problem with older analysts, evidently, is they act like the games don't matter. This is what the Clippers should be. So what what actually happens on the court it doesn't change whatever ha- I believe it on Monday whatever happens on Tuesday is not going to affect what I believe Wednesday okay it's one way to go about it I think it's foolish so that that's just my take Chris Broussard all
2: right let,
3: let no, me just, break just it down one here's what
2: the Nick. Clippers go ahead well it's only foolish when the when it's every other team except the Lakers that is that is a valid theory when it's the Lakers but every other team it that's not valid go ahead
3: Broussard no, the, the Clippers just have to bring their A game. That's all they have to do. Mentally, <laughs> lock but, in and get ready. Let's move I'm on to this series. Again, Mentally lock in. I'm rushed, I'm rushed. Game two, <laughs> Celtics-Sixers.
0: Jason Tatum, play of career-high 33 for Boston. Joel Embiid gave the Sixers a 34-point double-double. That wasn't enough. Celtics get the easy win to go up 2-0 in the series. Broussard, will go back to you. This is a tough game to watch if you were a Sixers fan. Uh, what do you think was their biggest issue in their loss yesterday?
3: Well, look, obviously, without Ben Simmons, they can't guard. They're not the defensive team that they were with him. He's arguably the best defensive player in the league, and Jason Tatum just had his way. But beyond that, on the offensive end, they couldn't hit threes. And they're, despite Ben not shooting threes, they're actually a fairly good three-point shooting team regularly. But yesterday, they were 5 of 21 from three. And, and Boston, on the other side, hit 19-3. So that's too big of a discrepancy to overcome without one of your best players.
1: I, I know we're going to talk more about the Sixers' deep, long-term troubles later. But on this one, and it makes me feel good because whether the audience believes it or not, I deeply love and adore Chris Broussard. I t- agree with everything he said. The lack of Ben Simmons in this series to guard Jason Tatum, to have a great great wing defender out there. A great wing defender in 2020. Not like the Kawhi Leonard type of great wing defender where you were great in 2017 and now we just say you are. A truly great wing defender right now. Not having him absolutely kneecapped him in this series, Wilds. And for the Sixers,
2: the issues are far deeper than just this series, Wilds. Well, that's what I was gonna say. And Jenna, you mentioned uh, it was a hard to watch. If we can show off what I think was the defining image of this game. This is a playoff game. This oh, is I thought game it was two. We've got this poor guy. Well, honestly, once I saw <laughs> this, I'm like, that's I don't I feel watch. good for the front office. I don't feel good about Brett Brown. You cannot have this type of stuff popping up in a playoff game. It's just like you need fundamental changes. Throughout the entire organization, I think they're in a very bad spot that goes far beyond Ben Simmons.
0: Yeah, we're going to break this down a little bit further, what the Sixers have moving forward. But let's get back to the first round. Fears for the Lakers and Blazers. Game two, it's tonight. Uh It's LeBron looking to get Uh back on track after the Lakers' poor offensive outing Tuesday's loss. Also on the Lakers' to-do list, stopping Dame Lillard. That little thing. Nick, I imagine you've spent the last 48 hours analyzing, overanalyzing this from every angle. What adjustments do the Lakers have to make if they want to even up this series tonight?
1: Well, I wouldn't change anything defensively. I think if you're the Lakers, the the one thing you can take away in a very positive fashion from Game 1 is this Blazers team that was hanging 125 on everybody... You held them to 64 points in quarters two through four. They didn't break 23 points in any quarter other than the first quarter. And so if the Lakers can sign up, the Blazers scored 100 in game one. The Lakers would sign up right now for the Blazers scoring 105 in every game the rest of the series. So defensively, I wouldn't change much of anything. Offensively, I think that you have to seriously consider... A starting lineup change—the one I've been calling for since Avery Bradley went down. Putting KCP has been excellent for the Lakers this year, not this, not yesterday, or two days ago, but this year. But put him back on the bench roll and get, let see what it looks like with Caruso next to LeBron. You're not, the the best starting lineup, of course, would be Anthony Davis at center. He doesn't want to start games like that, so you have to tweak it elsewhere. And the other thing, Broussard is. I would stop with all these giant lineups at all times. I'm not saying JaVale can't play, but he should play less. And Markeith Morris, why he was such had such a featured role in this in game one, I would adjust that as well. I don't think your defense will suffer dramatically, and I think your offense will get better. So those are the adjustments if I were the Lakers, Broussard, I would make.
3: I agree with you defensively. The Lakers were fine defensively. Dame, C.J., Carmelo, Anthony, Gary Trent Jr., none of them really were on fire throughout the game. Now, Dame obviously got hot in the early in the fourth quarter, and then, you know, Trent and the guys hit a couple big shots, but they didn't just, they weren't shooting their normal percentage throughout the game. So the defense was fine. Offensively, Nick, here's one thing I think you failed to mention. LeBron James has got to be more scoring minded. Okay. He played a terrific floor game, 23.17 rebounds, 16 assists. That was all well and good, but his teammates can't shoot. Okay. So outside of Anthony Davis, he is not getting a lot of scoring. So he is going to have to look to score more as well as be a facilitator. And that's where your lineup change of putting Caruso in there could help that in that LeBron would play off the ball a little more, presumably, and then maybe be more in the scores mentality. Now, if the guys show up and start hitting shots, we know they're streaky. If Danny Green and KCP are on fire, then LeBron can just be the floor general. But if they're not shooting well, he has got to score more. 23 points for him is low. So I need a little more from LeBron. And AD, I need something in the fourth quarter. I mean, I've been saying it all year. He's got to give you something in the fourth quarter. This two-and-a-half mm-hmm. to three-quarters of being a superstar and then disappearing and being a role player in the fourth right. is not enough. So I need more.
2: You guys are in trouble. This is, You guys are in trouble. Tomorrow is going to be a great show. You guys are both in trouble. And, Nick, I, all I heard the other day was the Lakers just need to shoot. The Lakers, Once the Lakers shoot better, the Lakers will win. And now you give all the credit to the Lakers defense because the Blazers didn't shoot well. Look at the Blazers—they shot, they made 100 points, worse. Their field goal percentage was the worst. Three pointers was they made 13—and they had the worst uh, assist-to-turnover ratio. And they still won. So once they get back to their normal Blazer thing, they're going to win again. I think you guys are in—you guys are, are are in deep trouble, Nick. And then tomorrow's show, I'll give you the—I'll give you the topic bar for tomorrow's show. Nick, are you nervous yet? If the Lakers lose, <laughs> okay, but you, again, you, he so said a he would things. be mildly One nervous if they that lose. That is a,
1: a, a, correct. I would be. If they lose tonight, then you got to beat them four yeah. out of five, and you, it starts getting a little anxious. But your graphic is so s- silly. They, it, they shot thirty-nine yeah. percent from three. The reason that they had their worst field goal percentage was because they couldn't hit anything near the rim because that's what the Lakers do to you defensively. The difference between that and the Lakers hitting shots is if you watch the game, the Lakers had unguarded three after unguarded three after unguarded three. The Blazers weren't missing wide open shots. They were missing contested looks. So to me, that is a major difference. Broussard, though, to your point about LeBron being more aggressive, we will find out if LeBron thinks this is a must-win game. If he does, he will be more aggressive. When the 2018, <laughs> when they lost, what? Well, well, no, I mean, that's what the, the if he thinks they, they can lose this game and still win the series, I don't think he'll change his approach at all because that approach was intentional. Me. But you saw in 2018 with that Cavs team, the first game of the playoffs, he had a 24-point triple-double. They lost. He responded in Game 2 with 46 points in the game, winning three. couple rounds later against the Celtics, he had a terror- he had- took 16 shots in Game 1. Oh, they lost. He responded in Game 2 with 42. Now, they lost that game as well, came back to win the series. So, I think that if the Lakers are trailing in the second half, you're going to see a more aggressive LeBron. I would be shocked... If to start the game today, you see anything other than LeBron trying to get Anthony Davis going. I think that will be his approach. I think that will be his approach until AD gets going, even if folks want him to be more aggressive.
0: Well, we will find out in 13 hours when those two take the court. From one L.A. team to the next, Mm -hmm. Paul George may have had an off night, but he's confident his Clippers team can bounce back Mm -hmm. next. First things first, maybe it's 12, 13. Tonight on FS1, got some nice baseball action coming your way. Christian Yelich leading the Brewers against Nelson Cruz and the Twins. 6.30 Eastern on FS1, also on the Fox Sports app. Back here and First Things First with Chris Broussard talking Mavs Clippers. Game 2 from last night, Luka Doncic pouring in a team-high 28 points to go along with 8 boards, 7 assists. All that in just 28 minutes of action because of foul trouble. He was out most of the second half. The easily ejected Christoph Sporzingis managed to stay in, chipped in 23 and 7. And though Kawhi had a 35-point double-double, it wasn't enough. Mavs win. They even the series at a game of peace. Chris Broussard, what chances do the Dallas Mavericks have of actually beating the Clippers in this series? Oh, here we go.
2: Come on, Broussard. Very Come out firing because it was bad earlier in the show. Uh,
4: yeah, you know, I told tough early it going. It
3: Redeem yourself. 5. That means they're going to lose a game. All right? I'm sticking with that, but I'll play along with the question. 15%. 15% chance that Dallas wins this series. Thank oh. so. the, Mavericks, the Mavericks are great. All right? I said, Nick right. will attest to this. I said a few days on the show, uh, days ago, that in two years, they will be a legitimate title contender. I may have yep. to amend that to True. next year. Next year that they'll be able to maybe win the championship. So, They are legit. But here's the thing, despite Nick's fake news graphic about playoff P in which he tried to disparage you, he showed five (laughs) playoff games from Paul George. Paul George has played 78 career playoff games. He's averaged 20 points a game in his playoff career, and he's averaged at least 24 or more in the previous four playoff seasons, Nick. 27 or more in three of those last four. So stop it with the fake news graphics, all right? Paul George will wow. show up. The Clippers will lock in. Dallas Ow, has cow, their attention. I-, I know I sound like I'm grasping for straws, but Dallas has no, the Clippers' so attention. Watch. You're going to get a different Clippers team the rest of this can, series. Can I ask and a question? Broussard is back. We're sorry, oh, yeah. Let me ask
1: you a question. That was great. And by the way, I I, the, the, I tried to be fair to Paul George. I didn't pick out any games from when he was a young player. I've every, every one of those games in the last, from 2017 to now. But set that aside. Here's the question I have for you. Why didn't the Mavs have their attention yesterday? If that's your hypothesis, the Clippers were on the court when the Mavs outscored them 69 to 48 in game one. The 18 to 2 start, then a 69 48 run that obviously all changed whether the Mavs were going to win that game or not. The game changed irrevocably when Chris Epps got thrown out. Why did that not warrant the Clippers' attention if, if this is an attention deficit issue, as you're positive?
3: The Clippers have done this all season long, all right? They have not been locked in mentally because they thought they could show up and win. And they have. They beat the Lakers without Paul George. They think they can just step on the court and win. Now they know they can't. You saw it. You saw a decided difference in the way they started the fourth quarter. It wasn't successful because by that time, Dallas was rolling, all right? They were in rhythm and they were unstoppable. But you could see the difference in the Clippers at the start of the fourth quarter last night defensively than what you saw previously. They will make better defensive rotations. They will make better defensive reads, and that will be the key. Look, for all, Luca's not the issue. Luca's great. He's going to get his points. But Luca played 28 minutes in game two. Luca wasn't the key to Dallas coming back from that early deficit in game That's one. True. He was on the bench, okay? The key has been the Mavericks bench. And the Clippers have had the best bench in the league the whole season. Now, all of a sudden, they're getting outplayed by the Mavericks in the first two games. I don't think that's going to continue. I think the Clippers bench will have the edge going forward, and that will be a key. So, Wilds,
1: you asked me me a question off the air before the show, and you alluded to it a few segments ago, which is, Nick, why... Are you so quick to dismiss the Lakers' loss, and you are reacting as such to the Clippers' loss? And I think it's a Why fair you my question. question to you. It's the heart. Wait, because I didn't know if you were going to ask it. Sorry, my bad. My <laughs> you're doing apologies. Like, go doing ahead. let like you a solo radio show. You, you, like, you want to ask regular. me? No, no. Go ahead, ahead. go ahead. What else is that? <laughs> no, the, no, do the, it?
2: Not doing it. My bad. Like, you're right. You're
1: right. <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: It seems like go ahead, Wilds. What's happening to Ask the Clippers again. is exactly what's happening to the Lakers, and you have a totally mm-hmm. different answer for when, it, when the Lakers lose than when the Clippers lose. That's my question to you, Nick. But you can reframe it however wherever you would like. <laughs> Be- because
3: here's why,
2: and it's a legitimate
1: question that I think the audience is probably wondering we as know well. Why? Because the Clipper. No, hold on. It's because this what we're seeing right now is not a reaction to one game. On the Clippers, it is a reaction to the entire season that we've seen. That's fair. They didn't have a set rotation the whole season. They were not entirely whole with their top eight players all season. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, as brilliant as they were, they were not at brilliant at the same time quite as often as you would have thought for a duo that was gonna work seamlessly together all season. They had intermittent effort all season. They, for some reason, decided Reggie Jackson needs to be a featured actor once they got him in the buyout market. That never changed. The, the, the Clippers, to me, are confirming my deepest held beliefs about them. The Lakers, on the other hand, were the best team in the West all year. Bruce Arkin, hold on to the Clippers, beat them without Paul George. It's the first game of the season. They have played twice. They played three times since then once on Christmas. That game came down to a- last possession two more times after that the Lakers won both so I am not if the Clippers had looked perfect these two games then I would say okay everyone that said they're going to be a different team in the playoffs I have to admit that's a possibility when they started the playoffs off Broussard 18-2 I will admit I said I was saying to myself man maybe everyone was right they do have a different gear But since that 18-2 run, they have been outplayed. Since that moment, they have been the worst of the two teams. And so, it's not like they're the Warriors in 2018, where it's like, okay, they're, they're sleepwalking, but we know they're champions, we know they're overly talented, we know they can win a title together. I just don't know, Chris, where this overwhelming confidence is coming from
3: on behalf of a team that has done nothing together. Nothing. It it comes from their talent and their depth. Now, you are right, and we've talked about this before. They have not had their full complement of players, but for, what, 11, 12 games this entire season. Yeah, 12. That is a problem. Denver, in the second round, if that's who they play, Denver has the same issue, but I didn't think we'd see it be a problem against Dallas. But, yes, there is certainly some chemistry issues. Like I said, they're playing too much isolation basketball. Rather than moving that, And defensively, their mission reads. All of that is a factor or is a result of them not being together for most of the season. So that part is fair. I just think they can overcome it.
0: All right, well, Game 3, Clippers and Mavs. We'll see if they can Friday night. Back to some football. Do the Dallas Cowboys have the most electric offense in the NFL? 3,000-yard receivers? Some think so. First things first.
1: Sorry about that, Wilds. I screwed that one up.
0: Bad job, by. All right. <laughs> Time for us to run the no huddle. If you thought Cam Newton was going to walk into Pat's camp and win the starting quarterback role with ease, think again with Bill Belichick Put saying he would, quote, certainly consider a quarterback platoon. Cam Stidham Hoyer. Nick, how crazy would this be?
1: Well, it's not going to happen. And you know how I know it's not going to happen? Because Belichick said it could happen if there was any chance he was actually considering it he would never let us know and so there's we know he's not actually considering it because he said he was considering it and because it would be idiotic it wilds to me the news from yesterday was that hoyer is in the mix which to me means there is a competition for the backup job cam is going to be the starter but because of concerns about Cam's ability to play all 16 games, the Patriots' backup position is one of the most important in all of football. And it, it, Hoyer don't need a bunch of reps. He's been in that offense. He's been with those players. He knows the Josh McDaniels and Belichick. The fact that yeah, he's yeah. there, to me, shows it's not just that Stidham isn't actually competing for the starting job. He's going to have to compete for the backup job which is, by the way, what you would expect for a player drafted where he was drafted in year two, Wilds.
2: Look, I I assume Cam is going to be the starter, but I wouldn't be shocked if Hoyer started. When Hoyer signed, he's like, I'm not signing for a backup. I, I want a chance to compete. So, Brian... I, I still think Cam is the guy, and I don't want to root against the javelin, although when I do see Mike Reese's tweets that he threw some interceptions, I'm kind of like a, a little bit happy. I know I'm not supposed to be, but I'm like, oh, good, Michael Jackson picked one off, so I, I feel good. But I
4: assume Cam is going to be the starter. Is that what you think? I, I definitely think Cam is going to be the starter. You don't bring Cam Newton, the former number one overall pick, Heisman winner, MVP guy, uh, into an organization to have him as a backup. That just doesn't make sense. And and to Nick's point, I think this is total gamesmanship. The first game of the season, they play against uh, Brian Flores and the the Miami Dolphins. And this has to be uh, Bill Belichick's way to make Brian Flores prepare for a different quarterback situation, different things that the Patriots can do, because it makes absolutely no sense for for your quarterbacks to play in the platoon type of situation where you have one guy coming in, one guy going out. The quarterbacks need the rhythm of the game. A, a, a rookie coach may do that, not a veteran season coach like Bill Belichick. This has to be gamesmanship.
0: News out of New England. Brian Hoyer right now with the most commanding lead of that Patriots offense. I mean, he's been there before. On to Russell Wilson now. Though the Seahawks quarterback's a Super Bowl champ and a seven-time Pro Bowler, he's never received an MVP vote. Quarterback, unfazed by that. Russell Wilson saying, quote, I wake up to win it all. So, Nick... Is Russell Wilson Mr. Unlimited, or is he somehow Mr. Underrated?
1: He is absolutely the most underrated player in the NFL, but he also should never have gotten an MVP vote. Both can be true. Russell Wilson's second-best quarterback in football. Most people don't acknowledge that. He was always better than Andrew Luck, his same draft class. He was better each and every year. Folks never wanted to acknowledge that, even though Russell won a Super Bowl by year two, got back to it in year three. So he's been underrated. But you look at the years where he could have been in the MVP conversation, and keep in mind, NFL MVP voting, you don't give a top five. You list one name. Yeah. It's 50 people. They send in one name each. 2015, Russ was excellent. He had a 110 quarterback rating. Cam was 15-1 and one and ran away with it. Two years ago, Russ was spectacular, led the NFL uh, in, or he had his career high in touchdown passes. But Mahomes and Breeze were far better. And last year... Russ was great, but Lamar was clearly better. So, Brian, he is underrated, but he also has never
4: been snubbed in the MVP conversation. You know, I think Russell is underrated. I understand your point, but I still think if you look at Russell, what he's able to do. And first of all, I think he's held back by some of the offensive constraints that they have. They want to be a running team. They don't put the ball in his hands enough. But he certainly should be considered as an MVP. He does so many things for that football team. And, and I understand the, the the voting process may be flawed in that way. But if, if I had the ball and had one drive left, there are two players that I want under the center. One is Patrick Mahomes. The next guy is Russell Wilson because he's going to keep a play alive. Wow. He's going to make accurate deep throws and throw a catchable ball to your receivers. He is a guy that certainly should be Considered consider for the MVP every single year but I do understand your point about how the voting process goes Nick. all right
0: let's that's move that's on to the Dallas Cowboys now their new head coach Mike McCarthy high on Dallas's receiving core saying they got three potential number one wideouts: and Amari Cooper Michael Gallup and rookie CeeDee Lamb Nick you buying this
1: no I'm not buying it if it's true then don't break off Amari with $100 million. Save that money to just sign your quarterback. So uh, it's definitely not true. But also, Wilds, I think it's setting up CeeDee Lamb to fail here. So, uh, there are right. some rookie wide receivers that come in and make an instant impact. However, historically, that is a tough position your rookie season. It's a tough position to be. Uh, a top 25 wide receiver as a a rookie, much less a true number one. And because people didn't think CeeDee was going to fall as far as he did in the draft, and every Cowboys conversation on any network, on any show, when you're talking about how good they're going to be, without fail, someone says, and they got a great player in CeeDee Lamb. And now the coach is calling him a number one receiver. I feel like it's setting up to where if he has... 750 yards and six touchdowns, which would be an excellent rookie season, people are going to think of it as a disappointment. So I'm not buying the claim. And even if McCarthy really does believe it, Wilds, I would pump my brakes on saying this.
2: Oh, see, I I think the exact opposite. I thought just how Belichick was sort of like talking to Brian Flores in the Dolphins, like, you're going to have to figure out who we're going to QB. It feels like to me, Brian, Mike McCarthy is giving CeeDee Lamb a lot of confidence. I didn't view it as a negative. I viewed it as sort of instilling confidence in your rookie.
4: You know, Kevin, I completely agree with you. There's a mental side to coaching. And it's about making sure that your players are ready to play, but it's also saying, listen, we're gonna be calling upon you at some point to be the number one guy. You may be have to step in for Amari Cooper if they're double teaming him one game. He's just trying to make sure that all his players are ready and hungry and understand that they're gonna get an opportunity. I appreciate what uh Mike McCarthy has done down there and what he's trying to do mentally for the for football players.
1: I guess uh, my argument would be you can say that in-house then. You can build him up all you want in the team meetings, and you can have uh, Sanjay Lau, the wide receivers coach, try to build him up. There's a lot of things you can do to try to make him feel confident and like it's going to be an egalitarian pass-catching offense where Cooper, Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb are all going to get equal targets. But I think they might just be setting the expectations, Jenna, a touch too high For a rookie who didn't get a training camp, didn't get a preseason, and isn't going to get an offseason.
0: But also, 3,000-yard receivers for Dak Prescott, don't we call that one of those good problems to have? Uh, Let's get back to the bubble now. What does last night's Sixers loss mean for Embiid? And Philly has potential 1,000-yard receivers. Next, first things first. Back here in First Things First, Jenna Wolfe, Nick Wright, Kevin Wilds, and we've got some exciting news to pass along. A big programming note that's about to make our mornings here on First Things First a whole lot more exciting. Nick, why don't you break the news for us?
1: This is great. I'm so excited. Listen, the last year has had massive changes for all of us. This show is no different. We, We went to our homes out of studio. We added Kevin Wilds. Jenna Wolf expanded from oh, okay. 100 burpees a day to 200 burpees a day. I actually grew hair, but the, the most important change and the best change is actually coming Monday at 7.30 in the morning, where we get to invite full-time to the show our newest All-Pro. You know him from inside the NFL. He's the single best person on it, and there's a lot of great people on it. You know him from leading the NFL in touchdown catches. You know him from being an All-Pro receiver and an all-around amazing guy. Brandon Marshall becomes our newest host of the show starting Monday at 730. We've worked with him. He is so much fun. You guys know how great he is. So I cannot fun. wait for Monday. Kevin Wilde.
2: Yeah, you know, between Cam joining the Patriots and Brandon joining the show, it's been a great offseason for me uh, and my new teammates. (laughs) And I think Brandon has epitomized a team-first mindset throughout his whole career. If we can take a look at his numbers and the sort of the teamwork that we've had together, Uh, 970 receptions, 12,000 yards, 83 touchdowns, two fantasy titles and six Pro Bowls. I know a lot of people say like, wow, I think those are like mostly Brandon stats. Like, yeah, mostly, but I don't know if you know what a team is. This is our stats, Jenna and Nick, <laughs> you're included in this, but it's mostly me and Brandon. So I'm excited as well, Jenna.
0: Well, I just wanna tell you that I'm sitting here scrolling through Brandon's Instagram page. You should do it. And I can't help but know that for the first time in a long time, I might not be the most athletic host on the show. He is
1: unbelievable. I know he was a just professional a football
0: player. Brad, no, like, I'm 12, 000 talking 000 fitness. Working out. So no, <laughs> listen, oh, let me the just Mike. say, I'm excited to talk some burpees with someone Mike. other than Wilds and Nick what? for a change. But anyway, Monday morning, right here on First Things First, we're so super excited he will be joining our yeah. team. He'll talk <laughs> football. He might.
2: First up, uh, play burpees. burpees. How I many burpees did you do, Brandon?
0: <laughs> All right, you know what? I'll get to that on the second day. Uh, we're going to bring in Chris Broussard. Stories to start your morning, folks. Let's move this along. Sponsored by Ram Trucks. Great Freak and the Bucks, looking to get back on track tonight after their stunning game one loss to the Magic on Tuesday. Nick, what are you expecting from the top-seeded Milwaukee Bucks tonight?
1: For the Bucks to assert their dominance and win by 25-plus. Honestly, anything oh, short of that, and I will start to be moderately concerned, Bruce Arch. I've tried not to, in any of these series, overreact or react drastically differently than how I felt about any of these teams 96 hours ago. But if the Bucks not only do—forget winning. They need to dominate tonight to remind everyone what made them the favorite before the season stopped, Arch.
3: I agree with you, Nick, on the outcome and on your sentiment. Because if this is a close game, not only could it show that the Bucs aren't what we thought they were, but they could actually lose. They only played five what we call close games in the NBA all season long. Point. That was the fewest True. among the playoff teams. And they were 3-2. and two. And the problem in close games is that a team can back in the paint, keep Giannis from the rim, and then they have to go elsewhere to beat them and is Chris Middleton Brooke Lopez Eric Bledsoe and these other guys up to that challenge so they need to blow out Orlando and I actually
2: think they will okay I hope so we know they led in point differential the interesting thing that came out of the magic post game, they're like yeah we kind of like playing with no crowd when Giannis does those big spinning dunks and they get a little bit nervous like there's no crowd they just come down boom hit another play and it keeps Orlando in it so I don't know. I, I'm a little. I'm. This is registering uh, on the Richter scale of nervousness for me, Broussard. Just registering. It's not crazy, but it is like, ooh, there's some, there's some tremors of nervousness there. Young analyst. We'll find out again. tomorrow. I told you about it. Uh,
0: taking Mavs. down the That's Clippers. Such, you don't even know how to respond. It's like well, I'm young,
2: but he's insulting me. It's like a weird thing. You don't know how Mavs. to respond. Oh, it's oh, nice oh, that, that was was called young. Taking
0: on the Clippers but last like night to even up the, the series. <laughs> Luca gave you 28, 8, and 7. Kawhi had a 35-point double-double. Not enough, though. Hey, Broussard, what adjustments, if any, you think the Clippers are going to need to make here?
3: Well, the first adjustment mm-hmm. is an attitude adjustment, and I actually think that's the most important. Look, I feel like they've had a nonchalant, entitled attitude all season long. They've been able to drop players in and out of the lineup and still win big, and that has led them to think, that they can just step on the floor and win. The Mavericks now have that their attention. I think that will lead to improved defense on the part of the Clippers. And I think offensively, they'll move the ball more and not be so much ISO. So I, I expect the Clippers to play much better going forward and pu- close out this series.
1: Listen, I think that everyone is way overreacting. The Clippers weren't at full strength. They weren't fully locked in. Once they get all their guys back and they start focusing, they should be fine. And that should happen around February. So beginning of next season, no problems. Now, over the next four days, it could be an issue. I don't see Patrick Beverly walking through that door, and God knows, you can't win a game without your fifth or sixth best player. You just can't. It's just asking too much. And when the Clippers were building this team, Wilds, they clearly just didn't put an emphasis on perimeter defense. Because if they did, Luka Doncic wouldn't be setting records con- t- trying to beat George Mikin for most points through two career yeah. playoff games, Korean. even though he'd barely played in the second half last night, passing Lou Alcindor. So, yeah, listen, Clippers will be fine by sometime next year. I'm sure
2: of it, Wilds. I'm confident Brouss- of it. Broussard, you, you talk about attitude, and Mr. 94 feet didn't play yesterday. But do you think that's like Kawhi being too quiet? Is that like kind of like you're saying that Kawhi needs to be more vocal because that's no, can't criticize not happening.
3: Can't criticize. Yeah, he can't be who he who he's not. Uh, you know, it'd be nice if he were vocal like that. But you bring up a good point in that Beverly is clearly their inspirational leader. Now, Lou Williams is also oh. a vocal guy and a leader on that team, but he doesn't bring it defensively, so he can only say so much about that end of the floor. But. Look, Montrezl Harrell still a little bit rusty, which is unexpected. He's been away for about a month, uh, really about four or five months because of the uh, pandemic. So I think they'll be fine. And like I said, they were him in 5 Roussard's got them in five. They
0: got to win every game. They got to win every game now. On to the Sixers game, two struggles. Jason Tatum, he was impressive once again going for a playoff career-high 33. And though Joel Embiid finished with 34 and 10. It was in a losing effort. Nick Wright, what do the Sixers need to change if they want to get back into this series?
1: Oh they're, they're, no, they're not, there's nothing. They're, they're not <laughs> going to get back into this series, and it's and it's way, way, way worse than that. They 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 are in real, real trouble organizationally, and yep. they, it, it was you know the line. It was all good just a week ago. It was all good just 36 months ago. You had all this cap space. You had the upcoming number three pick of the draft. You had drafted Simmons. You had drafted Embiid. And then it all started falling apart around the time Brian Colangelo was sending out tweets about collared shirts from burner accounts. And they desperately (laughs) traded up to get Markel Fultz. You trade up to get Fultz. You include another first-round pick to do that. The team you trade with in Boston ends up drafting Jason Tatum, who's one of the two best players from the draft class. Fultz isn't even on the team oh, anymore. Way to be in a you star. then comp, the, okay, two. sure. You then compound the error <laughs> by thinking you are closer to a title than you actually are, and cashing in all your assets for Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. You don't get out of the second round with them. You then have to choose between Butler and Tobias Harris. And you choose to bias. It was obviously the wrong call then. It is egregiously the wrong call now. He's owed another 150 million dollars over the next four years, So, so in, you know, have fun with that. You then compound that error by going out and getting Al Horford, who's owed another 75 so million over the next three years. That ain't great. And now, what do you do, Broussard? They're going to blame Brett Brown and they're going to fire him. But Tobias Harris on a five-year, $180 million deal, and he's giving you 14 points. Al Horford, they signed for $100 million. He's giving you five points. Like, their guys other than Embiid have to step up, and I just think they've built this team wrong, and all of a sudden, they have no cap space, don't have a ton of assets, unless you want to get rid of one of your two stars. And I think they're in real, real trouble, Broussard.
3: Well, I'm with you on this series. Uh, They're down 0-2, and they're going to lose. There's no question about it. Uh, I think I I picked it to be six games, but I don't even know if they'll last that long. Uh, Organizationally, they do need to move on from Brett Brown. He did a great job through the process, but now it's time to move on. They really made a big mistake, Nick, one that you failed to mention, was they had Monty Williams, who was a superstar in the bubble, leading Phoenix, to an eight zero record he was on their bench a lot of people thought he was going to get the head coaching job they let him go to Phoenix and now you wish you had him back but whatever the case they need to go and get a different head coach who they believe strongly because he impresses them in the interview and with his history they believe that he can maximize Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons together I would give it one year and if they go out early next year again with those two healthy you gave and it just it can't year. work, then you move. Well, you don't know because ben, Ben's not here. This might be a different series if Ben Simmons were here. So that's unfortunate. But give it one more year. See if it works. If it doesn't, then you trade one of those two. And I think it would be Embiid. And here's the thing, Nick. You're right about their cap space. Oof. But if you trade Embiid, you will get talent in return. You could get a host of shooters for Joel Embiid to put around Ben Simmons. And I would play Simmons like Milwaukee plays Giannis. Let him bring the ball up court. Let him push it in transition. Let him post up and put shooters around him and see what that gets you. We
0: got a lot of problems that lie ahead. All right, take a break. Coming up, did Lucas strike fear into Kawhi and the Clippers last night? Nick says yes. First things first.
2: So just talk to me.
0: Saturday on Fox, don't miss the championship fight between two-time former world title holder Sean Porter and Germany's undefeated Sebastian Formella in his U.S. debut. The championship bout begins 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on Fox and the Fox Sports app. And we're back here with Chris Broussard talking Mavs Clippers game two from last night. Luca following up his epic game one performance with a team high 28 points last night. In just 20 minutes of action because of foul trouble, the easily ejected Kristaps Porzingis had staying power last night. Stayed in the game, chipped in 23-7. and seven. And Kawhi Leonard, he had a 35-point double-double. He didn't get much help at all, though, from Paul George. Mavs win. They even up the series. Nick, what chance do the Mavs have of actually beating the Clippers this series?
1: Oh, they got a good chance. They're not the favorites yet. But they had a good chance before this series started. Broussard laughed at me, and he's going to laugh at me again. That's fine. We'll see who's laughing about a week from now. But before the series started, I said we will be in game six of Mavericks-Clippers, Clippers Clippers up three games to two, and the Mavs have a small fourth-quarter lead, and I am texting you asking you if you're nervous and then the Mavs will lose that game because they're (laughs) terrible closing games and the Clippers have been great closing (laughs) games, and the Clippers will move on. That was my pre-series prediction. I don't think right now it's silly to push that to this is now a seven-game series. The Mavs have outplayed the Clippers clearly through two games. They've scored, and they've averaged 32 points a quarter in every quarter they've played except for the one where Chris Stapps was kicked out and that derailed game one. And here is my concern, Broussard, and I really, really want to know what your thoughts on this. The Clippers' approach this year, we've seen it before, but it has always come from defending champions. We saw the Warriors in 2018 sleepwalk through the regular season, believing they can flip a switch and they did. The Lakers, their third title with Shaq and Kobe, slept walked through the season, believing they could flip a switch, and they did. The 98 Bulls, they struggled early on for the first couple months of the season. Now maybe they're sleepwalking, maybe it was just the wear and tear and the guys getting older, but they believed they could turn on the playoffs, and they did. That we have not seen teams that were put together in an off season, that have no history of winning together, take the regular season like it's nothing, and then win the title. When, when the 08 Celtics came together, they were bats out of hell that regular season. They were awesome. They dominated from start to finish. So wh- this idea that the Clippers can approach it like they are the overwhelming favorites, which they have never been, and like they, are, they have this championship pedigree together, which they don't, Uh, All year long, I was sounding the alarm on. And two games into the postseason, it sure looks like it's been a problem. So my question to you, Broussard, would be, why do the Clippers get to do it differently than
3: any team with their kind of resume, if you will, that we've ever seen? No, look, I agree with the end of your statement. There is no question about it. If the Clippers go ahead and win this championship as I and many others believe they will, it will be unprecedented for a team to come together the way they have and, like you said, kind of take the regular season for granted. Guys are in and out of the lineup. They really don't have any continuity. And when we have not seen that before. But we didn't see what Kawhi Leonard did last year before either. He goes to a team that's never been to the finals. He misses 22 games. He's dropped into the lineup and they win the championship. Part of the reason I think the Clippers can get it done is that everybody's flawed. The Lakers, I mean, Anthony Davis hasn't proven anything in the postseason, and he's been struggling in the fourth quarters. LeBron's a little bit older. Their teammates can't shoot the ball. Golden State is injured and out of the question. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Brooklyn are out of the question. Milwaukee is young and has its own problems. Everybody else in the East is young and flawed. So. The, the thing, Houston is flawed with their small ball. So I agree with you that this is something we really haven't seen, but every team in the league is flawed. And I feel like the Clippers' talent is so overwhelming and their depth that they can overcome it. But for this series, look, Dallas is better and further along than any of us, I think, expected. i said that in two years, they will be a legit championship contender. They may be that next season. And shooting, this has already be become right a shooter's league. This has this become a shooter's league over the last, what, five, six years. It is that is even increased in the bubble. And that's why Portland is dangerous. That's why Dallas is dangerous. So, look, they are certainly more of a threat than I expected going into this series. But I still think the Clippers, once they adjust their attitude, which needed to be yesterday, that they will be better off and uh, come out and win this series. Wilds, where do you fall?
2: I I fall that Broussard's very nervous, to be honest with you. Earlier in the show, Broussard, you you, you started to no. you started the the energy. On uh, uh, you came out at seven thirty in the morning, caffeinated. Boom, 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 and Nick Wright came back. Bang, 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 and I was like, Broussard, chill. And now you're like, ah, Golden State's not in it. I'm like, Oh, Broussard, Golden <laughs> State's not in it. What are you talking about? They
3: just got, <laughs> they're, they're, they're I'm not nervous. Clippers, believe me. Listen, um, Broussard, Broussard says the, they're going to the win words the next 3. Of someone, in, the, in the words of a wise man, I'll let you when what is it? I'll I'll say I'm nervous when I'm nervous. Is that what Nick said yesterday? I'll let Yeah, admit I'm yeah nervous when I'm when actually I'm
1: nervous. nervous, I'll tell you. Yeah.
3: Okay, can, let me can I
1: can I tell you what, how, what <laughs> I think is going to happen with the 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 autopsy of the Clipper season when it ends, when it ends prior oh, to the conference finals? as I have said all year long and been laughed at all year long, and it is coming, what we're going to say is folks are going to be like, wait, why did we say this team was great? You're going to look at it and you're going to say they have a great, great player in Kawhi Leonard. No question about his greatness. Now, is he the best player in the league? No. But is he one of the six best? No question about it. Can he be the best player on a championship team? Absolutely. They have that guy. But there's a real question about his health, and the playoffs are every other day, and he's not a playmaker for other guys, it's the one weakness of his game, and he's gone from the best defender in basketball to a really good defender, but it's not what he focuses on anymore. And then they have Paul George, whose all of his iconic playoff moments are other people hitting shots in his face, and then they've got a bunch (laughs) of fun guys that are one-way players. Lou Williams is an amazing offensive player and a turnstile on defense. (laughs) Pat Beverly is a scrappy defensive player and a disaster on offense and has trouble staying healthy. Montrez Harrell is an overachiever who's an undersized, bad defensive center. Ivica Zubac is better than the Lakers thought he was when they gave him away for Mike Muscala, but is not a high-level starting center. They got a Morris brother who takes too many shots. They got Reggie Jackson, who's never been a part of good team chemistry ever. They got a head coach who was unbelievable with Ubuntu and the Celtics, and then kept getting beat by inferior competition with the Clippers with Chris Paul, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. And we're going to say, oh, well, were they awesome during the regular season? No, they were scuttling about. Did they show great team chemistry? No. Do they seem to like each other a ton? Well, I don't know, because their best player is a black box that you don't know anything about what he feels about anybody. And folks are going to say, why were they the favorites? Why were they a team we just anointed as a great team instead of looking at the evidence? Like, Chris, do you see that as a, can you give me a 5% chance that we're going to look back when they get knocked out early
3: and say, should have seen it coming? I'm glad you got that off your chest, Nick. I, I'm actually glad now that the Clippers <laughs> lost last night so we can hear that <laughs> soliloquy, which you clearly have He's been, been waiting. waiting to drop that's and that's rehearsing right. that's in that's your right. mirror saying that. All right, no, <laughs> look, that's all well and good. That's and I, I told you, I agree. You'd you be a fool to sit here and talk about the Clippers have approached the regular season properly, okay? None of us like load management, but it's what they do. Still, they will be able to overcome it. And the fact that you dropped that beautiful soliloquy after their first loss, after their second playoff game, come on, Nick. They're not done. You even said it yourself that they're not done. You expect them to win this series, and they will win well, the Well, I've got to do it. I, I, I've
1: got to do it now because what's going to happen is when they get knocked out early, folks are going to act like they yeah. all always believed it. There's going to be a bunch of, oh, yeah, I wasn't that high on the Clippers. Well, I always said that it's the Clippers or the Lakers. You just don't know. Well, they got unlucky because, listen, you're, we're the, they're the deepest team in the league. But if Patrick Beverly's got a sore calf, you can't expect him to beat the Mavs. You got a 21-year-old kid who's been in the league for 20 minutes whooping them And, and, and I do want to see, Wilds, I want to see in Game 3 yeah. whether the Clippers win or lose this series. Let's assume they're going to win it because I, I, I still think they are the slight favorites in this series. Is Kawhi going to say, we're not switching, we're not p- dropping into a 1-3-1 defense like they tried embarrassingly yester- last night, like they're in high school ball? I'm guarding Luca. Let's see how this offense works if I, the old claw, two-time defensive player of the year, guards Luca. I want to see if that happens. Not that? for a moment or two, but that it- we're not switching. I've got him. I want to see if Kawhi wants to take on that challenge.
2: Yeah. I don't I think we need to see like the lockdown claw defense that we, we keep on hearing about Broussard. and Lucas torching everybody and getting full screens of how great he is historically. There is one positive thing though, Broussard, and I just want to put it up that if the the Clippers do get knocked out. The, uh, the Turner guys can get a jump on all the Paul George fishing pictures. So I don't know. I know you're a guy who respects <laughs> research and prep. So I think, like, if I was at Turner, I'd be like, you know what? I'm not super worried about the Clippers. But why don't we pull some Paul George fishing? Just let's get a jump on the graphic for
3: <laughs> Look, here's the thing. Luca has not been the problem. You know this, Nick. Yes, he has beautiful stat lines. Yes, they're impressive. Yes, he's been historically good. But he is not the reason that the Mavericks are knotted 1-1. And I say that. 1-1. You talk like it's 2-0. I know all of a sudden you've anointed Christos Porzingis to be Larry Bird, but he's not, and they're not up 2-0, okay? It's 1-1, and Luka played 28 minutes yesterday. The reason the Clippers are knotted is because their bench has been outplayed, which is shocking because they got two of the top three, six men in the league. That will change, and that will change the series. So whether Kawhi guards Luka or not for most of the game is not the question.
0: Uh Game three so is slated for tomorrow night. We shall see. We on go. to tonight's Lakers-Blazers game two action. Lakers looking to get back on track after their poor offensive outing in Tuesday's loss. Lakers also looking for a way to contain Dame Lillard. We'll try this again. Lillard. Lillard. What time is it, Wilds?
4: It is
0: 9.28. Go ahead. Yeah, it flawlessly. Both tasks equally as taxing, it would appear. Nick, is tonight a must win for the Lakers? It's also game time.
1: I can't call it a must win. You saw LeBron fall down 0-2 to the Celtics in 2018. They went back to win four out of five, including the game seven on the road. It's, uh, but let me say this, Wilds. They have to win Go. two of the next three. You've got to win two of the next three, and so obviously that be, you can't fall down three-one to this Blazers okay. team, given the fact the Lakers haven't played great basketball
2: since March. Wilds. Yeah. What did you think about the end of that game? We didn't address it yesterday, and, and shout out to the everybody on Reddit. It was like, hey, this is a major issue when Dame grabs has the ball with thirty seconds left, and the Lakers are like, nah, all right. We quit, guys. You want to follow Dame? Like, I'm not going to follow him. I'm I'm, going to head back. Do you want to follow him, Danny Green? Dame, you're like, I'm good. Let's just move on. This is going to show my overwhelming Uh,
1: confidence in the Lakers, Broussard. Down five, 30 seconds left, and they just threw in the towel. I actually thought that was a great sign. They weren't desperate. The Bucks were down 13 with 25 seconds left, still fouling. Can you watch that? They were panicked. They were like, oh, we can't lose. The Lakers were like, we'll get them on Thursday. Let them have it. Good for them. I actually like that. It made me feel better quit. about today. It made <laughs> me <coughs> be feel better. We got to go. Chris
0: Broussard, thank you so much. A lot of basketball tonight
4: to be discussed tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone. Go Stay Blazers. safe. See you tomorrow.